And I recognize every time I come before him, he's not just good. He's been good to me, been good to you. I pray that you know that. I also pray that you'll take your Bible and turn to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. It's on page 1068 in the Pew Bible. We're going to stand in just a few moments, and we're going to read the entire chapter, all 10 verses. You're going to, Jeff, we're going to cover a whole chapter today. That's the plan. Jonah chapter 2, picking up in verse 1. I'll join you there in just a minute. Have you ever gone to the mailbox, and every single piece of mail that's in there is a solicitation or unwanted? Have you ever done that? I have. Do you know I found out that somebody wants to buy my house? They're going to pay me cash for it. But you know what's interesting? If I don't call them in the next 10 days, they're not interested any longer. Do you know that I got a piece of mail the other day? Somebody wants to buy a car I don't even have anymore. They just think I still have it. They want to buy it because they don't have enough used cars, and they're going to give me top dollar as long as I call and talk to a specific man by a specific date. Do you know that there's also this place that's willing to give me a steak dinner? Oh, you guys act like you've been invited too. I thought I was special. <laughs> but it's a financial planning thing, or it's a I get to invest in this timeshare thing, or whatever, but it's a limited time offer, and I get a steak and baked potato and a dinner with it, and I get to bring somebody with me. And it'll only take me two hours, but I get a free dinner, but I have to reply soon or I will lose my opportunity. Do you know this type of mailing has got to be effective? I mean, this is some of the best printed, created marketing materials I've ever seen. It must work. That's why there's more, and because if it didn't work, if it totally brought no response. Well, those people that are doing this are smart people. They would stop doing it. It must work. Let me ask you a second question. If you go home today and you open up your refrigerator and you see that gallon of milk and it says, today's date, 3-12-23. Are you drinking it or not drinking it? You know, there are three kinds of people in the room right now. There are people that said, I stopped drinking it two days ago. I just haven't thrown it away yet because I don't drink milk once it gets close to its date. There are other people going, it's just now getting good. That's a best buy date. It's still okay. And then there's a third group of you that go, I'm going to make cornbread with it. Buttermilk goes good in cornbread. I'm just going to pretend that's... Buttermilk. At our house, Angela stopped eating it two days ago. Tonight, if I get hungry enough, I'll smell it to see if I still got a chance. But then tomorrow, even I have to say, it's too late. Now, I want to ask you these questions, though, and I have received approval to do what I'm getting ready to do. I want to show you this can right here. Eagle Brand condensed milk. I'm not for Eagle Brand. I'm not against Eagle Brand. This was just my example because I found it. 
Eagle Brain Condensed Milk expired October 2022. Now, in the room, we probably have people that go, well, that's still good. It's not open. The can's not wrecked or anything. There are others of you that go, uh-uh. It's past its date. I'm getting rid of it. Now, I'm going to leave it here. You know who you are, but if you still want it, <laughs> help yourself. Now, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's dairy, and I'm just not going to go there with dairy. Diced tomatoes. These diced tomatoes expired September 1st of 2022. My thanks to the person who brought it to the food pantry this week. <laughs> you know who you are. And you're not alone. Can Church, can I just tell you that... Your pastor has created a rule in the food pantry that this church will never, right or wrong, give away food that's past its date. Because I don't want anybody to think that we're just willing to give them the bad stuff. So don't give us your bad stuff. Tomatoes, diced tomatoes, vegetable, can in good shape. Somebody go, well, that's not dairy. I'd still use that. Me, we're not using it at our house. Call us weird, but we're not using it. Again, I'm leaving this here. If you want it, help yourself. I can't pick that up, but that's a four-pound bag of sugar. April 2022. It's like a little brick right now. But if you bang it just right, it'll probably free up, and people will, I'll use sugar. You know, it's funny. When I was talking to people during the week, no way on milk... Maybe on condensed stuff in a can, likely on diced tomatoes that are only six or seven months old, and absolutely I'll use that sugar. Isn't it funny how we think sometimes? I'm a date-driven person, and we consistently check our food pantry, home and here, for out-of-date foods. These expiration dates, these best buy dates, help us understand that it may one day be too late to eat this food. I did a little research this week, being my scribe. Do you know that unless you are baby formula, every date placed on a can or bag, unless you're formula, formula you have to by law. Every other date placed on every other food based upon the USDA is purely voluntary. Interesting. You have to tell people when you canned it or when you bagged it, but you don't have to tell them when it goes bad. You know what that means? That for the most part, and some of you have already been thinking it, those dates on that can and that can, that's a marketing ploy to get you to throw it away and go buy another one. Call me a sucker. <laughs> it's working. We have an expiration date mentality at times. Today, as we enter into chapter 2 of the book of Jonah, I want you to hear that it is never 
too late to return to God. I want you to hear that there is no expiration date on repentance. And you're going, Jeff, you're finishing by starting right there. Well, here's what I believe and why I think the Lord has laid it on my heart this way. Is that so many of us may run the risk of thinking that where we've been, what we've done, has put us in a position that we cannot come to Christ, cannot return to Christ, or cannot effectively be used by Christ because something in our life has caused us to be considered expired. So as we study this, I want you to hear that it is never too late to return to God. And there's no expiration date on repentance. I also want you to be reminded today that if you're a child of God, numerous times in Scripture, and I'll lay out a couple of them for us in a moment, God has promised if you're a child of God, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Never. There is no expiration date if you are a child of God on your relationship with God. So let's stand and read Jonah chapter 2. I'm going to read all 10 verses of Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, picking up in verse 1, says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Thank you. Keep your scripture open. We're going to be referring to it and walking through it as we come through the next few minutes together. Verse 1 of chapter 2 starts with this word, then. Now, the word then refers to what is supposed to be happening next. And you know the interesting thing about then? It is directly connected to what just happened before. And you're going, Jeff, I knew that. You know, but sometimes we don't. We, we just start picking up and read Jonah chapter 2. We don't even bring Jonah chapter 1 with us. And when we get to chapter 3, we won't take chapter 1 and 2 with us. But church, God's Word is intended to be remained in context. And so that's why I want to tie you back when it says, Then God said, I need you to understand what then means. 
The word then you could read also as after. After the Lord prepares a great fish for Jonah. After the fish swallows Jonah. After Jonah had been in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. You see that? All of those three things that I just shared with you happened in the last verse of chapter 1. So when we get to the word then in chapter 2, verse 1, we have to understand that all of these things have happened already. Jonah just didn't get into the belly of the fish. Jonah's been there, and I think that's an important point. Jonah has been there for three days and three nights prior to chapter 2. Verse 1 goes on to say that then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Then, after storm, after throwing into the water, after being swallowed by the great fish, after having been in the fish for three days and three nights. After, 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 after. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Here's a question I'll ask you to think about. If you were Jonah, how long would it have taken you to turn back to God? How long would it have taken you? And I did this potential answers across the room kind of thinking for myself. Potential answers I came up with to the question of how long would it take you to have turned back? You notice I'm asking you to think about this. This is you being challenged by the Word of God to allow the Word then to have an impact in your life. Yes, I'm still talking about Jonah and I'm talking about him, but let's never forget that God's Word is supposed to be applied to us as we go. Here are the potential answers of how long would it have taken you to turn back to Jonah. Some of you would say, I wouldn't have got myself in the mess to start with. I would have done what the Lord told me from the beginning. You know, somebody in here is thinking that. I would, I would have gone to Nineveh. And I've never been in this situation. So that person says, I wouldn't have been there to start with. Another one says, man, when I was on the boat, when they woke me up and we were tossing and turning and nothing was working, that would have been the time that I would have cried out to the Lord and turned back to him no matter what. Some could say, well, no, once I hit the water and as I was being swallowed by that great fish, as I understood, oh, this is trouble, I would have, you know, but we, we're optimistic. I did what the Lord said. Then we're less optimistic, but still optimistic. We're on the boat, but this thing's going to hold together. I can make it through this. Then you're in the water, halfway down to fish, and you go, oh, maybe. Some of you might go, well, after three days, I would have had enough. Now, I'm not here to explain the miracle of how God can keep a man alive in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. I just know that God can do everything God desires to do, that God prepared this fish. This is not just some kind of ordinary fish. And so I'm not here to blindly close my eyes to what Scripture says. I'm here to open up my heart and say, Lord, I trust you. And I agree that this happened just like it. So you're saying, Jeff, you really believe that Jonah was swallowed 
by a great fish? I do. Not just any great fish, but the great fish that God said, I made you to go eat him. I believe that. And when Scripture says three days and three nights, I believe he was there three days and three nights. So some of you go, well, after I've been in there, and then yet again, we have to allow for this one more set of people right here. They're going, nope, never turning back to God. I've made my bed. I'm going to lie in it. That doesn't mean that you don't want to turn back to God. That just means that sometimes people can get in their minds that their opportunity has passed them by, that it's expired. It's too late. Now, I don't know which one you are today. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what God is telling you to do, and I don't know how you've responded to him when he told you to do that. But as we talked about last week is, God's not going to allow you to walk away from his purposes for you. His love for you is too great. His plan for you is his plan for you, and it's going to come about. What you have to figure out is how long you're going to fight it before you give into it. Verses 2 through 9 record Jonah's prayer that he uttered after these three days of being in the belly of the great fish, after being thrown into the sea, after being on the boat, after running away from God. And I see the first part of chapter, I mean, verse 2, as being a summary of Jonah's prayer. Let me tell you how. Look at this. It says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Church, I tell you that that is a full thought-out prayer right there. And here's what I believe. I believe that God gave us a summary of that prayer, and then starting in the second half of verse 2 all the way through verse 9, we are getting a more detailed version of the same prayer. And so if you will go back later today and read 2A, that summary prayer, and read to be through nine, you'll go, that's the same prayer with just a lot more details. And here's how I see this. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Isn't that a great prayer? Jonah rebelled from God's plan, headed the opposite way, slept in the bottom of a boat in a storm, refused to jump, got thrown out, swallowed by fish, and stayed there three days. But... When he prayed to the Lord, when he turned to the Lord, the Lord answered him. Church, you just missed the point. See, I need to recognize this. In my life, I have failed God a lot. I've said no, Lord. I've half-heartedly done things. I've turned away from his word. I've not allowed his spirit to guide me. But he's always brought me to a point where he brought it to my attention. And no matter how far away from God I got, God was right there when I turned 
in repentance to him. Church, we got to understand that if that doesn't get you motivated, the rest of these verses are just going to waste your time. So can I tell you that no matter what Jonah did, and no matter how long it took him, when he eventually prayed, turned his heart back to the Lord, his God, his God answered. I don't know where you are in the process right now, but I will promise you this. When you cry out to God, when you get to the point in your life that you're going, I will yield to you because that is what's right. I will yield to you because you've shown me my failure. I will yield to you because you are worthy. Whenever that moment comes in your life, and I pray that God uses his word to help you get there today, God will be there. And you're going, Jeff, you don't know where I've been. You're right. I just know God. And I know what he tells us in his word. And that expiration date you may have on your faith, on your life, on your faithfulness, that was something that you placed on there, not God. So Jonah cried out to the Lord. We get into this more detailed version of the prayer. Jonah cried out to the Lord because of what Scripture says, his affliction based upon the new King James. So I got on my big four-foot by eight-foot whiteboard. It's still up there. and We broke it down into sections, me and my scribe. That would be Micah. And we broke down this prayer, and we said, when he cried, how'd he do it? His afflictions, yeah, you just have to let me use his hand for just a second. His afflictions and God's response. Verse 2b, Jonah said, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. Verse 3, you cast me into the deep. Verse 3, your billows and waves passed over me. Verse 4, I have been cast out of your sight. Verse 5, the waters surrounded me. Verse 5, the deep closed around me. Verse 5, the weeds wrapped around my head. Verse 6, I went down to the moorings. Verse 6, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Now, when you take a time to look at this, and maybe you will later today, you will see that some of those are just regular consequences from being thrown into the sea and getting swallowed by a great fish. Seaweed being wrapped around your head, it happens. Some of these are direct things that just naturally occur because we put ourselves in situations that we shouldn't be in. But I want to call out three of these. Three of these afflictions that I believed were personal, spiritual, and very revealing. Jonah said in verse 2b that he felt he was in Sheol. Now, church, we could have a big theological conversation around all of this application. Let me just cut right to the point because we're on this perspective right now. Sheol would be where God is not. 
Jonah said, I have been separated from God forever. He goes on to say in verse 4, did you catch that? He felt he had been cast out of God's sight. Have you ever felt as though you had somehow lived your way out from under God's mercy and grace, and therefore you were lost? And then if you look at verse 6, closed behind me forever. Jonah's going, it's too late. It's over. It's too late. Forever is one of those too late kind of words, right? These three statements from Jonah summarize his greatest affliction. Yeah, he was in the water, and yes, he was in a great fish, and yes, he had seaweed wrapped around himself, and yes, he was facing waves and all these other kinds of things. But I believe God showed me these three things that created Jonah's greatest affliction, what caused Jonah to cry out. Because, you know, if it's just waves and seaweed, darkness... We'll fight through that. It's until you get to a point where you are utterly hopeless in yourself that you will turn. And when you believe that you are separated from God forever, cast out of his sight, that is a place that you do not want to be. He believed. He was separated. In 2021, if we recount the life of Jeff for just a second, in 2021, let's call that the year of kidney stones. You guys remember that year? I was out, surgery, Sunday, all that stuff. In 2022, let's call that the year of cancer. And we walked through all of that together, right? In 2023, I had to think really hard about what the issue was for 2023, but I came down to this one statement. The year of brokenness, okay? And as bad as any one of those years have felt, and I'll tell you, there were times when I was facing the kidney stone, and I know some of you have faced it as well. Oh, my goodness. I never felt or faced anything worse than that. And I had never faced fatigue like I faced through cancer. And now I've never faced yieldedness and dependence. And as bad as these challenges have been, they are nothing compared to the challenge that I would have incurred in my life have God said, I'm done with you, Jeff. I'm walking away. Church, can I tell you that circumstances are just that? Jonah's greatest affliction was that he thought he had lost his greatest blessing. And that's where we are today. Wherever you are in separate, being separated from God, what's going to drive you to turn back to God is when you get to a point that you think you have no place else to turn. When you go, I have lost the only hope that I had. 
The greatest affliction is the absence of the greatest blessing. Any other affliction is but a trial to one who is in relationship with God through Christ. Now, I wanted to look. I told you we, looked, we brought the board. I wanted to look at what Jonah had said to God. Look at verse 4. He said, yet I will look again to you. That's Jonah saying, I know that I had looked to you before. That's also Jonah going, I admit I have turned away. Verse 7, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you. Verse 9, I will sacrifice to you. I will pay what I have vowed. What Jonah is saying right there is, Lord, I'll do what you told me to do. Do you know that it's not true repentance in your life? If you're just going, Lord, I'm going to say whatever I got to say in order to get out of whatever I'm in. The Lord is smarter than that. Repentance is a heart action. And Jonah said, Lord, not only am I remembering you, not only am I turning to you, but I will do everything that you have purposed for me to do. And he goes on in verse 9, says, my salvation is with you. Church, if you want to write down a verse, write down this verse, 1 John 1, 9. Just write that down. This could be Jonah's get-out-of-fish card. This is you getting out of whatever you're in card, if you know Jesus. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Many of us want God to act before we change. It's possible today you're going, I know I'm not in the right spot with God, but until He does something, I'm just going to stay right here. Many of us want God to act and fix before we are ready to change. Think about that. If you were God, would you do that? Note that God commanded the change. That change is, I don't like this word. I don't like it in any place I read it. But in verse 10, it says that God told the fish to vomit him out on the land. What kind of land? Dry land. Hold on to that thought. Dry land. Do you notice that God commanded the change of his situation only after Jonah had repented and turned back to God? What will it take for you to repent and turn back to God? You're going, Jeff, we're here. Why are you preaching at us about repentance and turn? Listen, I just know me. I've not always lived the way God wants me to be, and at times I face every day the need to repent to Him, to turn from my ways back to His ways, and God's just laid it on my heart that maybe that's what He wants us to hear from His Scripture today, and that's why we're preaching it to one another right now. Repent. Can I tell you this? God knows. If you are a child of God, God knows what it's going to take to bring you back to repentance and prayer. He knows.
You know, if you don't know Jesus, God knows what it's going to take for you to call out for him. Have you ever been in the belly of a great fish? And you're going, no, of course I haven't. Well, let's just make it the circumstances and the situations that God allows you to find yourself in when you're not correctly aligned with him. Have you ever been in a place where you're not that? Well, let me give you a different perspective on that place because you're going, that's a terrible place. It's not a terrible place if that is the place that God uses to turn you back to him. I bet Jonah, after all this, he gets up on that dry land and he goes, man, I wish I could find that fish. That fish gave me opportunity for three days. God knows. It's not a bad place if it brings you into the will of God. Verse 10, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. I said that a minute ago. This is God's response to Jonah's repentance, dry land. Now, if the sea, and we made a really good deal over this for if the sea, God using the sea to get Jonah's attention, then dry land has to represent back where you belong. And God said by putting him back out on dry land, God said, I love you, Jonah. I forgive you, Jonah. What took you so long, Jonah? You know the only reason Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights is because that's how long it took him to yield and repent. Had he not, he might have got four, five. I don't know. I just know that God's not going to let you walk away from his purposes for you. I mentioned that Jonah being on dry land would, could be seen as Jonah being back in right standing with God. Right standing with God, theologically speaking, is a good church word called justification. Because of what Jesus did and because of our faith in accepting him as our Savior, we have been redeemed and entered into a relationship with God through Jesus, his Son. At times, we Christians fail to remember that when we came to know Jesus, we were justified. We believe, because of that forgetting, that our relationship with God is in jeopardy because of our living. And it's not. Now, let me make sure we understand this right. Your fellowship with God is in absolute shambles. Think about it this way. When Angela and I had Caleb, he became my son. He will always be my son. He can try to change his name. He can move to another state. That's not why he moved. He could not want to talk to me. He could not want to recognize me. 
He cannot want to have anything to do with me. But none of that changes the fact that he is relationally my son. Now, Caleb and I haven't and may again not always see eye to eye. And that affects our fellowship with, the Lord, with each other. Fellowship, not relationship. So I take that point, and let's bring it back over to Jonah. Jonah's sin against God, rebelling from God, did not change the fact that he was God's child. Aren't you glad? But did affect his relationship with God, because it didn't. I remember telling you in week one or week two, God stopped speaking to him. Right? God still not spoken. Right? Remember that, church. We'll talk about that again. But God has still not spoken yet. Fellowship was torn. So we talk about me and Caleb and we talk about Jonah and God. Let's come right here then. Talk about you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you were brought into a relationship as a child of God that will not ever change because it is Jesus who justified you, holds you, and nothing can take you out of his hand. Okay? That's a good point. But let me tell you what. You ever been out of fellowship with somebody? It's terrible. And rarely are you encouraged by the, well, at least he's still your son. No. When things are not right fellowship-wise, they're a wreck. And today, if you're rebelling against God in any way, big or little, long time, short time, you might be running toward the port, you might be buying the ticket to Tarshish. You might be getting on the boat, taking a nap. You might be in a storm. You might be thrown into the sea, or you might be in the belly of a great fish right now. But if you are right there, God is saying, all you got to do is turn to me. All you got to do is turn to me. Deuteronomy 31. You don't have to write these down. I just want to rattle off something to you. Deuteronomy 31, 1 Chronicles 28, 1 Kings chapter 8, Genesis chapter 28, Hebrews chapter 13, Joshua chapter 1, Matthew chapter 28, on and on and on. All the one thing all those scriptures have in common. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Everything God did to Jonah was an act of love to bring him back to dry land. It's never too late to repent. Never too late to return to God. And that's an interesting. I had a conversation this week, and someone asked me about the age of accountability. You know, and 
I don't have a lot of answers to that. Here's where I came down theologically in that conversation, and I think it makes sense to me. Do you know that your true age of accountability is the age you are when you stand before the Lord? That means while you still have breath, you can turn. And if you're today here or online or on the phone and you have never given your life to Jesus, it's not too late. Now, I've seen a lot of people push it to the, I mean, the very end. I've shared with you where I've been in hospital rooms with people being intubated who could squeeze my hand and we, they prayed to receive the Lord through squeezing my hand. We were communicating. I've prayed with people who died that night. I've prayed with people who died the next day. And so I'm not here to tell you that there's a challenge coming. But if you're outside of God's plan, either because you're a child of God who's disobedient or you've not yet come to know Jesus, I can tell you, storm's ahead. Because God loves you enough to do whatever it takes to put you in position for you to repent and yield to Him. It's not too late. That condensed milk, if I'm God, it's too late. Those tomatoes, nice try, but too late. That sugar, mm-mm. But I'm not God. God's Word says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And He will always be there when you call to Him. There is no expiration date on being made right with God until you die. And then that day, if you don't know Jesus, everything curdles. <laughs> 